On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla has introduced a new variant for the Model S and Model X, but is it going to boost sales on those cars? Plus, yet more Project Highland rumors suggest the launch of the revamped Model 3 is imminent, at least in China. One of Tesla's major battery suppliers has a new cell that can recharge exceptionally quickly and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 420 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for August 20th, 2023. I guess the only way that could have been more poetic is if it would have been April 20th for episode 420 on 420. But in any case, happy episode 420 to all who celebrate. And for what it's worth, I will say, knowing Elon Musk's sense of humor... I did make an attempt to get a certain CEO who is amused by that number to come on the podcast this week. I got a hold of an email address on that I thought that from somebody I trusted that I thought might have been the right one. Whether it was or wasn't, I'll never know because I didn't get any response. Although I didn't get a bounce back, so there's at least that. But anyway, no such luck this time. For now, episode 200 is still the only time that Elon Musk has appeared on this podcast. Uh, Some quick bites before I get going here. I'll start with a quick correction on what I said about referring yourself last week if you're doing the FSD trade-in or just buying a new Tesla for any other reason. So it turns out you actually cannot refer yourself, but... If you have a Tesla, this comes straight from uh, a Tesla friend, by the way. So this is an employee telling me this. If you have a Tesla product on your account, and apparently even a Cybertruck reservation counts, you'll automatically receive loyalty benefits, which are the same as the referral perk if the order is made with the same email address as your existing account. So basically... You can't double dip, you can't refer yourself and get the the perks twice, but you do still get the perks. So that's cool. Another quick bite for you before we get to the main course this week, and this is a follow-up to last week's Project Highland Model 3 rumors. Word out of Shanghai now, one week later, is that the factory has completed its transition period and is currently producing nothing but... Highlands, as far as the Model 3 goes. Of course, Giga Shanghai makes Model 3 and Model Y. But as far as the 3 goes, the word is they are now making nothing but the next generation revamped Model 3 we know as Project Highland. And furthermore, Bloomberg reports that Tesla is, quote, nearing the completion of display vehicle manufacturing at the Gigafactory Shanghai plant in China. Tesla plans to transport these vehicles to showrooms in the country, quote, in the latter part of August. Well, one look at the calendar shows that as this episode comes out, it's August 20th. So that's pretty imminent. And if all of that's true, then deliveries of this new Model 3 have to be imminent. 
like, say, early September kind of imminent. That's not me reporting that, that's just me logically reaching that conclusion based on these other Bloomberg and and, uh, other solid reports here coming out of Giga Shanghai. As I said last week, though, whether that launch of Project Highland is only in China for now, or whether some of them will get shipped over here to North America remains to be seen. So stay tuned on that. Oh, uh, and it's happening so much now that it's reaching the point where it's not even newsworthy anymore, but I'm going to mention it here, and that is Cybertruck sightings are almost literally, actually, for the moment, they are literally a daily occurrence now, whether they occur in the San Francisco Bay Area, in Austin, near Giga, Texas, in New Zealand at the Winter Proving Grounds, or somewhere on a trailer between states traveling around the USA. There have been car carriers full of Cybertrucks on said interstates over the past week, with some of those having been spotted having text scrawled on the windows that either said crash ready or crush ready. It's kind of a little, it's just somebody's handwriting in, in, you know, erasable pen on a car window, a truck window. So you can't, can't quite tell. Nobody seems to quite totally agree on it. But anyway, it suggests that Tesla is either sending them out for crash testing with the government or they're being sent to be destroyed because pre-production vehicles can't legally be sold and maybe, you know, Tesla's, if they're done with them, they have to be destroyed. They can't be sold. So uh, I bring this up because honestly, it's just to remind all of us, myself first and foremost, this is the fun part. Pretty soon, these are actually going to be on the streets and they're going to become normalized and it's not going to be as fun to see a Cybertruck anymore because we'll get used to seeing it like anything else in life, right? You get used to it. But right now, this is the fun part. Now, I know it's tough waiting for your Cybertruck for for so many of you that have waited for so long. And I recognize that. I remember that. I lived through it with the Model 3 where this is is the fun part, but it's also, it's arguably the most first world difficult part, right? Where you're just like, oh, we're so close. When am I going to get mine? And they're not quite out the door yet in production. But pretty soon... Uh, Again, it's going to be old news when a Cybertruck is spotted on public roads. So right now, we're just living in this joyous, kid-like, Christmas morning-type innocent joy in, in this part of the process for those of us that are eager future customers of the Cybertruck. But soon enough, the good news is, this isn't the most fun part pretty soon that joy will be amped up even more, like a lot more, again, having lived through it with the Model 3 and and being so hyped up and and anticipating that car, which I was so lucky to finally get five years ago. Soon enough, that joy for the Cybertruck of seeing them around now and these sightings, it's going to be amped up for the lucky folks that do get to start taking delivery of their own Cybertruck once production starts. So... Enjoy it. We're getting there. Uh, One more appetizer before I get started. In this week's NACS Coalition report, because I've joked about that, that I probably should do this as a regular segment on the podcast, 
because it kind of has been the last couple of months. Well, I do have another update in the NACS Coalition Report segment for this week, and it is Fisker has joined the party. Yes, Fisker. In a press release, Fisker said, quote, The move will provide Fisker owners with additional charging options, taking advantage of Tesla's 12,000 supercharger stations in the United States and Canada. All current and future Fisker vehicles will be covered by the agreement, meaning the agreement with Tesla here. Uh, And although that was worded, that was worded in kind of a weird way I'm realizing now as I read it back. It was worded such that it made it sound like Tesla only has 12,000 superchargers in the United States and Canada, when really it should have been worded like the other car companies were, which is 12,000 of Tesla's supercharger stations in the United States and Canada, because obviously Tesla has way more than 12K here in North America. Anyway, uh, this one to me, I know you might be thinking, well, Fisker, they, they're barely even making anything. They're, you know, they're at the beginning of their rebirth, uh, which if you're familiar, I'm going to share a little bit of the backstory here in a second, and that, that, which is why I'm bringing this up. This one is a little more noteworthy, at least to me, because way back in the day, Tesla sued Fisker over the design of the Fisker Karma, which if you're not familiar was a hybrid car from 2012. It did get released, although unfortunately it did end up being a failure pretty quickly. It uh, it died on Consumer Reports, and that that seemed to really accelerate its demise. When, you know, a lot of people look to Consumer Reports, especially, you know, even 10 years ago, even more so than now, I would argue. And so that that was a real tough one for them, and the car just, it just didn't sell. It didn't last, and, and Fisker did not continue. Although, to just back up in the story to the lawsuit here, Tesla lost that lawsuit. Henrik Fisker, the founder and CEO of the company, who's a car designer, had been contracted to design the Model S before Franz von Holzhausen came around. And I looked this up, and I found this write-up from 2008 from Wired Magazine, and here is what they had to say about it. Tesla argues that Fisker, as head of Fisker Coach Build and his chief operating officer, signed the contract only to get a look at Tesla's confidential design information and trade secrets, then launched Fisker Automotive and announced a competing vehicle, the $80,000 Karma, less than a year later. So that was why Tesla sued them. Anyway, Tesla did lose that lawsuit. And Henrik, the obvious namesake of Fisker, Henrik is still around. And in fact, he is also the CEO of the resurrected, now Chinese-owned, new incarnation of the company. And it's just starting to produce the Fisker Ocean, which is an all-electric SUV with a 360-mile range. I got to see a pre-production version of it at the Monterey Car Week, which I guess was exactly one year ago because Monterey Car Week is this week. It's happening right now. Uh, I did not go down there this year. But anyway, the uh, folks at Fisker just did their launch event, their first delivery event back in June. So I guess, you know, call it a month and a half ago now. And they delivered, kind of similar to how Tesla has done their launch events, Fisker delivered the first 22 Fisker Ocean electric SUVs to customers. 
So anyway, they're going to be joining the NACS coalition, as I have informally dubbed it, and thus eventually, 2025, putting the NACS port right on their cars. So this has been your random, obscure Tesla history lesson for the week. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. Um, Anyway, before I get started with the rest of the big stories, the main course of news this week, I hope all of you who are very kindly and generously backing me at that $10 a month tier or higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which I do every week for those folks on Patreon. This one was about the seven stainless steel myths read incorrect things that you're probably going to hear a lot that you future Cybertruck owners should be aware of. Obviously, with all these Cybertruck sightings, I've continued to have Cybertruck on the brain. These sightings are being photographed, they're being videoed, and because these are validation cars, they're release candidates, they're not show cars. So they're, they're, when they're photographed and videoed, they're very dusty, they're very dirty, and they're very fingerprinty. So that kind of inspired me to reach back into my DeLorean past since I had the distinct privilege of owning the last, and still for another few weeks at least, the only stainless steel car to ever be made, the DeLorean. So yeah, I I took that knowledge and talked about seven stainless steel myths that those of you who plan to get a Cybertruck should be aware of. Things that people are going to, to come up to you and tell you. So check that out on patreon.com slash Podcast. If you are a Patreon backer already, and if you're not, I humbly invite you to join me on Patreon. If you get a lot out of this podcast, you've been listening for a while, maybe you think, you know what, Ryan? Yes, you've done, I think this was now 59 lightning round mini episodes that live exclusively on Patreon. So if you do want to join up, to my Patreon, you'll get access to all of those, and of course, every future one I do, as well as you'll get the the lower tier perk of getting early access to each week's episode. There's also that seven-day free trial of that $10 a month tier as well. So anyway, head on over, patreon.com slash Podcast. Okay, let's get started with the big stories this week, starting with the big story for the week, as far as I'm concerned. The Tesla Model S and Model X have now introduced a standard range option. So you now have a third choice when purchasing an S or an X. You've got the long range, you've got the plaid, and now the standard range. So the standard range Model S, the base price is $78,500. That car will get you 320 miles of range on the 19-inch wheels, or 85 miles less than the long-range S, also on 19-inch wheels, that costs $10,000 more at $88,500. If you're curious about the 21-inch arachnid wheels, because for me, as much as I think the Model S is an absolutely stunning car to this day, I think the new one really kind of cleaned it up, tightened up the the look a little bit, and and just really freshened it up in a nice way. I'm not a fan of those 19-inch Tempest wheels. If I were purchasing a Model S, this is just me, 
I would 100% be getting the much nicer looking 21 inch Arachnid wheel. So anyway, if you're thinking like me, that that's what you would get if you were getting a Model S. So the standard range, the new standard range S gets 298 miles of range on those 21 inch Arachnids versus 375 miles of range on the long range S with those 21s. If you're curious about acceleration, zero to 60 miles an hour in 3.7 seconds on this new standard range Model S, so quite quick to 60, versus the exceptionally quick 3.1 seconds in the long range. I, I don't even have to bring up the Plaid at 1.99 seconds because that's, that's in a whole other category, both performance-wise, but specifically financially. Uh, I figure the comparison here is better between the standard range and the long range. Uh, everything else about this standard range S and X is the same. It has all the other same features. There's nothing else that's that's software restricted or, or uh, physically removed from the car or omitted from the car. As for the standard range X, the base price on that is 10,000 more than the standard range Model S. It's $88,500 for the standard range Model X, and that will get you 269 miles of range, and that's on the 20-inch wheels, and that's a 79-mile reduction than the long-range Model X's 348 miles of range on the 20-inch wheels, That's and that long-range is $10,000 more, $98,500. Just to continue the exercise, if you did go to the 22-inch turbine wheels, on your standard range Model X, your rated range would drop to 255 miles versus 330 miles on the long range with the 22s. That's a 75 mile difference. Meanwhile, acceleration, zero to 60 in 4.4 seconds in the standard range X versus 3.8 seconds to 60 on the long range. And Tesla has since confirmed that these two standard range vehicles have software locked battery packs. So the same 99 kilowatt hour pack that's in the long range and in the plaids are in this standard range. And quite frankly, that makes sense when you think about when you when you know Tesla as well as we do, because giving these standard range vehicles their own separate smaller battery pack would introduce a massive, like literally a massive new piece into the supply chain and into the general assembly process for what is ultimately going to amount to a relatively small number of cars. And I say that given that the fact is that the standard range S's and X's would be a fraction of the 20,000 or so, give or take a couple thousand, S's and X's that Tesla makes and delivers in a given quarter. Now, a couple of other side effects to this being a software-locked battery pack. Number one, it's a chance for Tesla to unlock more revenue in those cars later if the owner chooses to pay to unlock that remaining chunk of battery and range. My guess, because I don't believe this has been confirmed anywhere yet, 
but the certainly logical guess is that unlocking it would cost $10,000, the exact price gap between the standard range and the long range. And then the other side effect to this is that it allows the owners of these standard range cars to charge them to 100% and thus get the full 320 miles of range on the S every day, or if you're going with the standard range S, the full 269 miles of range there, which honestly makes those range figures more livable in the real world, particularly with that Model X. Now, that 320 figure on the S, pretty solid anyway, I would say. I mean, that's basically what a long range three gets, but it's again, it's that Model X, 269 miles on the standard range X, that's the same range as a standard range Model 3, except you're paying more than double the price for that vehicle compared to a, a base Model 3. Now, granted, you're getting a lot more than what the Model 3 offers, but still, it is a, for the same range, it is a massive price discrepancy there. And really, honestly, I'm enthusiastic about Tesla. You know that. I mean, the fact that I've been doing this every single Sunday, every week for the last eight years, tells you that. But what I keep coming back to here is I just don't know how many people that this is going to tip the scales for. I mean, sure, more options is always a good thing. But the standard range Model S is basically the same specs-wise as a long-range Model 3, the acceleration's a little quicker, but the range is the same, except it's $30,000 more money for the standard range S versus the long-range Model 3. And again, yes, you're getting a dynamic air suspension. You're getting two extra screens in the interior. You're getting nicer seats that have ventilation and cooling in them. You're getting a lot more cargo room. I'm not trying to argue that you're not getting anything, for your money. But in my mind, and again, everybody's financial situation is different, but if you can justify $78,000 for a Model S with specs comparable to the three, except for the fact that it's $30,000 difference, I would have to think that if you can make that justification, you can probably justify an additional $10,000 to just get the full long-range 405-mile long-range Model S, right? I mean, the last time, I'll, I'll go back in history here, let's cite a real example. The last time that there was a similar comparison between the Model S and the Model 3 was back when the 3 first came out, 2017-2018. The cheapest 3 you could get was the long-range rear-wheel drive Model 3. That was a $50,000 car. And that, that got you about 330 miles of range, 320-something miles of range after they ended up revising it. They revised it up, if you remember. It was originally rated at 310, but the, they ended up increasing that range estimate, which is pretty cool. But anyway, that was a $50,000 Model 3, which is not far off from the 47,000 that the long-range Model 3 is now. Of course, it's a long-range dual motor. It's an all-wheel drive car now. But the difference is 
back then, so if the, if the Model 3s were pretty comparable in price and range from then to now, the Model S back then, the base Model S, the 75D, was $69,420, if you remember that fun price point, which is, of course, a basically a full $10,000 less than the $78,000 standard range S is now. And my final point on this is that back then, the Model S got Osborned. People, the S Model S sales slowed down because people saw the range comparison and they went, well, I'm just going to get a Model 3 for less money, for 20 grand less. So that's what I keep coming back to here. And again, respectfully, I am of the opinion that the standard range Model X is even less appealing. In the 2017-2018 scenario that I just recounted in comparing the S and the 3, well, the Model X back then didn't even have a Model Y to compare it to. So that's, again, that's not great now because now there is a Model Y. And so you have to ask yourself, would you rather have a 330 mile range, five seat long range Model Y for $50,500 or a 269 mile also, five-seat Model X, because the six- and seven-seat X options are significantly more money. 269-mile, five-seat Model X for $38,000 more. Almost the price of an entire base Model 3 more by going with that standard X versus the long-range Y. Well, if you're curious, the delivery times on these two new standard range variants are showing as September to October range. So we're going to have to wait for the Q4 production and delivery numbers, which we'll get in January, to see if I'm wrong, to see if these are more appealing than I think they are, and if they do boost the production and delivery numbers of the SNX in a significant way. I hope so. Don't get me wrong. I'm just personally not seeing it in, in these cases. In fact, I wanted your opinions here because obviously I've told you how I feel and I wrote all my notes and with my just reaction to this that you just heard. And I thought, well, you know what? Let me poll my audience on this and see if they're thinking along with me or if, if I'm way off from everybody else. So the Patreon poll this week, which... You don't have to be backing me on Patreon to vote in. The poll goes up usually on Tuesday evenings, and you can vote on patreon.com slash Podcast. I asked you, are the standard range SNX appealing to you? So I said, I set up the scenario this way. Let's pretend you're in the market for a new Tesla. So regardless of whether you are or are not, just put yourself in those shoes are either of these options appealing to you? And 77% of you said no. And let me break it down. 21% of you did say yes. So about one in five people, which says uh, that most of you were thinking along the same lines as I am, which if you weren't, that's fine. You know, that's why it's good to have choices. It's good to have options, like I was just saying, because 
everybody is interested in in different stuff. And so it's good that Tesla offers more choices because this is a car company that typically offers fewer choices whenever they can get away with it. So 18% of you said, voted yes, the model, the standard range Model S sounds good for 78.5. 3% of you, so quite a difference between those two, which I think really comes back to that range difference and the the price comparison between the the Y and the, the Model X that I was just talking about. Only 3% of you said Yes, the standard range X sounds good for 88.5. And then 43% of you voted no, I'd rather get a comparable spec Model 3 or Y for a much lower price, with another 34% of you voting no, at those prices, I'd rather pay the extra $10,000 for the long range S or X, with 2% saying other slash just show me the results. So thank you very much to uh, everybody that took the time to vote. Uh, some good comments on here as well. Daniel Green making the good point here saying, if they could get the X down to 79900 that might be attractive with the federal incentive. But honestly, I couldn't afford it even then. But a, a good point from Daniel there that these prices are still above the threshold to qualify for the Inflation Reduction Act's federal tax credit. All right, next up this week, fun news. Tesla supplier CATL, which I'm just going to say as as cattle, I don't know if they say it that way or if it's CATL or how they officially say it, but cattle reveals an LFP battery that can charge up to 250 miles in just 10 minutes. I saw this story written up on Tesla Roddy, who writes, The battery, which is called Shenjing, or godlike movement, is expected to be capable of adding up to 400 kilometers, which is about 250 miles of range, in just 10 minutes. This was according to Cattle's e-car division chief technology officer, Gao Han. Shenjing is expected to be, quote, the world's first 4C super-fast charging LFP battery, end quote. LFP batteries are known for their affordable price and chemical stability, but they have lower energy density than other battery chemistries, which could limit EV's range with them. Mass production of the next-gen LFP battery is expected around the end of this year, with deliveries starting in 2024. So if you follow this stuff closely, as I do, you're probably used to hearing about so-called revolutionary battery breakthroughs on a near constant basis. I'm rooting for all those things, but the problem is, in the real world, that stuff rarely makes it to market, or if it does, it's going to take a decade. Not to spit in the face of progress. Progress is good. And you have to prove it out in a lab before you can eventually turn it into a real-world product. But I think you get where I'm coming from here. Those, those breakthrough revolutionary battery announcements are always made based on results in a lab. Well, not I shouldn't say always, because that's a very, very dis definitive term. Are almost always made based on results in a lab 
rather than in a real-world manufactured product. But that's why this is exciting, because this product from Cattle is real. And if Tesla puts this to use, and I hope to goodness they will, be it on the Highland Model 3 and the Juniper Model Y next year, and or the Generation 3 car in two to three years from now, then it will be a big part of convincing ICE drivers to switch to an EV. Because that's one of the biggest reasons you hear about, right? With regard to people being hesitant or reluctant to switch to an EV. You hear it, and it's fair. It's, well, it takes too long to refuel. It's a legitimate concern. It's one of the few remaining areas where ICEs do have the advantage over EVs. It's the re the refueling rate, although, of course, worth noting, EVs start every day with a full charge, which is a big plus compared to a gas-powered car, but I digress. So, if this new battery starts going into real-world cars that people can and want to buy, and I could absolutely see Tesla using this for the Highland 3, the Juniper Y, and especially the Gen 3 car, then it is going to move the needle. And remember, Tesla, if they want to, they can buy up all of these cells from cattle because they have the capital, and if it comes down to it, they could just outbid anyone else. Although, Tesla, as we know, they are very hyper-focused on having the highest margins per car that they possibly can, so I'm not necessarily saying they would be willing to outbid and, and potentially, in a, in a relatively speaking, overpay for these cells. But if they want them, they definitely can get them. And I really think this could be a significant selling point on that Generation 3 car that's going to be built at Giga Mexico, among other gigafactories. Because Tesla's already said, remember, back in Battery Day, we know that the Generation 3 car will rely primarily on LFP cells. And if that car, let's say it's going to be between 250 and 300 miles of, of range in the base model, and, and what's cool about an LFP, as we all know, is that's 250 to 300 miles of usable daily range, can be charged to 100% daily, you're, you're going to have that as a selling point of the Gen 3 Tesla, plus the fact that it will inevitably be super safe given Tesla's industry-leading track record in the safety department. It should cost somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $30,000 for the base price. And the Gen 3 car will be able to supercharge and have the option for FSD. So you take all of that stuff together and you introduce that car to the world and tell everyone that it can put 250 miles of range back into the battery, which by the way on that car is going to be most of the battery, like 90% or more, in 10 minutes. And guess what? You've just broken the ICEs back. You have left people with no argument against going electric, really. So, I have to imagine that Tesla is going to be one of Cattle's first customers on this, if not their only customer, given Tesla's relentless hunger for battery cells that we hear about 
on the earnings calls and at the investor day, the battery day, all that stuff. So really, really exciting thing here from cattle. Great stuff. Speaking of China, according to local reports there, Tesla is setting up a local operations team to bring FSD to China. I saw this written up on Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, Per Chinese media outlets 36KR and the China Evening Post, Tesla China is now forming a Chinese operations team of around 20 people to get FSD up and running. These new employees will be trained by a group of Tesla engineers from the U.S. who are already on the ground. In addition, the company is also setting up a data labeling team in the hundreds to train the algorithm for driving in China. Many of the issues stopping FSD from coming to China were not software-related, but rather around handling and storing Chinese data. In August, Tesla announced they were opening up data centers in China to provide the storage necessary to handle FSD. With the date questions sorted, Tesla got to work. The next step in the process is for Tesla to apply for a temporary license to test FSD in Shanghai. After the initial two-week trial, authorities can grant Tesla a longer three-month testing period before full approval. Well, I can hear all of my European friends out there saying, what about us? And I totally, totally empathize with you. Regulatory hurdles are just, as all of you well know, much tougher in Europe than really anywhere else, it seems. And that's on top of the actual programming challenges that Tesla has with the different road signs and the different road rules in Europe. Now, as for China, well, it certainly makes sense that Tesla would want to get FSD up and running on the cars there ASAP. Because after all, the EV market is much, much more competitive in China than it is in any other region right now. And quite frankly, Tesla has to fight much harder on price point and features in China, which is good. Competition's good. And the other disadvantage that Tesla faces is they're not a domestic car company in China, which in my understanding is a big deal over there as well. So if they can get the software working well in China, it could draw a lot of potential customers not to mention to convince existing customers in China to spring for either the FSD package or for the monthly subscription. All right, those are the big highlights in a very top-heavy week of Tesla news, but stick with me. I've got your Ride the Lightning hotline calls coming up right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey the Tesla unofficial podcast. Before I get to your calls in this week's Ride the Lightning, a reminder that Accelerate Auto and their X-Care extended warranty plan is there for you should you decide you would like to keep your car covered for longer than the duration of Tesla's manufacturer warranty. Because of course, with X-Care, you've, uh, you've got choices. Tesla's extended warranty is only that fixed two-year, 25,000-mile coverage plan. X-Care offers up to 10 years and up to 125,000 miles after your factory warranty is up. It can also be purchased for any Tesla, no matter where you bought it. You don't have to have bought it new from Tesla. 
and Xcare plans can cover the roadside assistance 24 seven. They've got the rental reimbursement trip interruption coverage, which Tesla does not on that latter bit, the rental reimbursement and the trip interruption coverage. And just as a baseline thing, Xcare covers everything that Tesla's own extended warranty does right down to the same $100 deductible. So if like me, you're somebody that's hanging onto your Tesla for a while and you'd like the peace of mind of some additional coverage, including by the way, they now offer optional battery and drivetrain coverage as well. It's been the thing that people have been asking for the most from Accelerate Auto and they have delivered that now as an option. So check them out, see which plan is right for you. Go to accelerateauto.com slash xcare. And the reason that I said that a little funny is because I was trying to really accentuate the X because it is spelled not the way the usual word accelerate is. X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. And don't forget to use the discount code lightning for $100 off of your purchase, except for sadly in the state of Florida where it's a state law thing, they can't do it. But for everybody else, Lightning will get you $100 off of your X-Care policy. And then also, they've done it. Tesla lowered prices so cleverly that other used EVs are getting cheaper. And it might be the only break we get in markets this year. New car prices are staying higher longer than expected. And even if you can put some money away, energy and food prices are still rising. Still, there are ways to try to get back what you should have had, and one market just had a record-breaking year in 2022, surpassing even its pre-pandemic levels. I'm talking about fine art, multi-million dollar works that you see hanging in museums, an asset you can now access in minutes yourself without needing millions of dollars thanks to Masterworks. I don't invest yet myself, but, Every painting Masterworks has sold to date has delivered a positive return to their investors, including net annualized returns of 10, 17, and even 35% all this year. Naturally, past performance is not a guarantee of future returns, and any investing involves risk, including loss of principal. However, Masterworks' 15th exit was just two weeks ago for an annualized net return of 77.3%. Now, my listeners get special access to skip Masterworks' waitlist. Just go to masterworks.art slash RTL. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. That's masterworks.art slash RTL. All right, time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your questions, there are plenty of good ones to get to this week and I invite you to participate. If you want to call in, I'd love to hear from you. Keep those good calls coming. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, you can call in in one of two easy ways. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software to record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It is a toll-free number you can dial anytime, 24 seven, 
And that number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is Daniel from Chico, California. Greetings, Ryan, Daisy, Zelina, and family. This is Daniel from Chico, California. And I recently rented a Model Y from Hertz uh, on a trip to San Diego with my family. I wanted to share the experience with you and the audience. I booked online, that all went smoothly, and uh, they sent several emails with helpful information. That was great. Then when I arrived at the rental station, the desk clerk um, said that I would need to bring the vehicle back at 100% charge. I distinctly remembered an email that said 70% and pointed that out, and they weren't going to budge on that, but I said, that's whatever, it's okay. Uh, We went down to get the car, and the parking attendant was much more helpful he uh, showed us where the charging uh, charge port is and how to open the front and all the you know, minor differences that you would have with a Tesla versus a ICE car. Then noticed that the charge was only at 45%, asked me where I was going, said, yeah, that's, you have plenty of range to get there, no problem, and you, you don't have to worry, bring it back, anything over 10% will be fine. Just tell the person at the gate when you leave. And so we got in the car, got everything packed, and then uh, left and went on our vacation. And after that, everything went smoothly. So Hertz just has a few kinks to work out in their messaging to their customers. Hey, Daniel. Well, as it turns out, your call could not be more perfectly timed for me personally Because I just booked my first EV rental ever. I'm going to be uh, renting a Model 3 coming up. And I was really pleasantly surprised that when I booked the trip, I knew, okay, I would I want to rent a Tesla. That would be ideal here. And I that was my thought before looking at prices for anything. So I went to Hertz's website, put in all the information. And to my pleasant surprise, the Model 3 was the cheapest car that came up. 68 bucks a day, although after a mountain of fees, it turned into about $105 a day. But every other car, including internal combustion engine cars, were over $100 a day before the mountain of insane fees. And uh, I'm glad you spoke to this because I was wondering about whether or not I would have to return it with a certain charge level. Like, of course, you have to return an ICE rental with a full tank of gas unless you buy their prepaid fuel thing. I mean, returning an EV at 100% charge is absolutely ridiculous and, quite frankly, unrealistic. I'd say 70% would be reasonable, but I'm glad that they told you not to worry about it. The guy, you know, out, out in the lot told you not to worry about it. I appreciate your review of the experience, and I'm sure it's going to help a number of people. It definitely helps me to prepare for mine coming up, and I'm sure plenty of other listeners are also going to be looking at this as an option on upcoming trips. 
Next up, also talking about renting from Hertz, is Aaron from Connecticut. Hey, Ryan. Aaron from Connecticut. I've been uh, renting model-wise from Hertz on last uh, couple of family trips, and it's been excellent. A couple of things to note on... Um, autopilot. So you don't get full self-driving, which I do happen to have at home. Um, and it's really annoying while you're on autopilot. If you have to change lanes, you have to come out of autopilot. You have to match speed, change lanes, and then turn autopilot back on. I really wish that there was a lane change feature on just regular autopilot. So you didn't have to come out of autopilot to make, um, you know, automated lane changes, which are essentially manual, um, just not having to come out of autopilot and then go back in. Something else that I noticed uh, with the model wise that I've been renting is that you would put on the half blinker to change lanes as you were doing it manually. And as soon as you complete the lane change, the blinker comes off. Now, this is something that isn't in my Model 3 with full self driving. Now, this is a version 3 hardware. Um, and I presume that the Model Ys have potentially version four hardware. Maybe that's the difference. But I love that feature. I think it's really great. And I wish I had it in my Model 3 with full self-driving. Anyway, love the show. Thanks so much for taking my call. Take care. I'm with you, Aaron. And so are many others. I get why Tesla doesn't include lane changes, even manually initiated ones as part of the basic free autopilot that's bundled in with the car. Because if they did, that would be more than enough for a lot of people, and Tesla inevitably wouldn't sell as many FSD purchases for $15,000 or $200 monthly subscriptions. But I agree that it's a safety issue. Not that disabling AP and having to manually do a lane change and then turning AP back on is necessarily unsafe in any way. I'm not saying that. But given the fact that AP is all about safety and that Tesla releases autopilot safety stats every quarter, it is definitely safer to have the car do the lane change with all eight cameras watching with autopilot on at your request when you press the turn signal stalk. Maybe someday when FSD is fully released, Tesla will feel comfortable adding that feature into the basic autopilot because at that point, FSD would be good enough and fully featured enough that it would still tempt people to pay the whole kit and caboodle to get the whole thing. Aaron, thank you very much for your call. I do very much appreciate it. Next up, this person sadly did not identify themselves, but an interesting call nevertheless. So I had made a um, mobile service request for um, some peeling on the leather on my Model Y um, steering wheel. And I found their reply very interesting that you and your listeners might want to hear. It says, greetings. We are redesigning the steering wheel with new material to prevent this issue. The new wheel will be available in November. Please schedule then, and we will assess ASAP. Thank you. So I assume this is probably part of the uh, the remodel. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that they are going to uh, replace the old Model Y, at least. Uh, and probably Model 3 steering wheels with the new one when they are available under warranty. Uh, but your listeners might um, like to hear about that. Bye. 
Thank you for calling in with that. It's the first I've heard of a steering wheel revision for the Y, and thus what must also be the existing Model 3 fleet with the vegan leather-wrapped steering wheel, because some of the early 3s, like mine, still have the original leather one. Anyway, um, I personally don't think it's part of the Project Juniper revamp for the Model Y. Instead, it sounds like it's just a more durable, call it a 1.1 version of the existing steering wheel, similar to what Tesla has had to do with the new Model S and X's yoke that's been wearing around the grip points very quickly. In fact, that new yoke should be out now since the service bulletin that went around that I talked about on the podcast said it would be ready in July, and we're here now near the end of August. So uh, I'm glad that a wheel with improved material durability is on the way for the 3 and for the Y, too. Thank you very much for letting all of us know. Next up this week, here's Adam from Houston talking pin to drive. Hey, Ryan, this is Adam from Houston, Texas. And on your last episode, you mentioned how you recommend enabling the pin to drive for enhanced security. I really like the recommendation. I've been using pin to drive since I've got my Model 3. Um, But I was reading recently about how if your main display unit fails, your shifter functionality still works so you can drive the vehicle. So it got me thinking of uh, if your display unit fails, but now you've enabled pin to drive, how do you enter the pin to be able to still get the shifter to work? So my question, I guess, is, is there a workaround uh, for that? And is that something in the app that maybe you could do? Um, Otherwise, if there isn't a workaround, that's just something that I think the community should be aware of is that, yes, you're going to get the enhanced security of the pin to drive, but if your display unit fails and you can't enter a pin, and you're kind of stuck and not able to actually uh, potentially drive the vehicle. So just wanted to put that out there. And then the last thing is, uh, has as a community, have we agreed, is it Tesla or Tesla? Um, if you listen to Franz and Elon, they will both pronounce it with a Z sound of Tesla, um, but I've always called it Tesla. So I don't know, have we agreed on the community, uh, which is the right way to go? And uh, But great uh, work on the podcast. Thanks for all you do. And give Daisy a pat on the head for me. Thanks. Adam, thank you for your call. And as coincidence would have it, Daisy happens to have hopped off the couch and is actually sitting right next to me. So she is getting those head pats literally right now as I record this. Anyway, I confess that I had not considered this very real scenario when enabling pin to drive. You raise an excellent and valid concern here. I searched and couldn't find anything about it, so maybe any of my Tesla employee listeners could maybe reach out and tell me the answer to this, even if it's got to be off the record, and I know it it does. I would, of course, as always, keep you anonymous. I'd just like to be able to share the correct information here. Now, personally, even if it meant the car was stuck in the event of a main display failure, I'd still use pin to drive, but... You're absolutely correct that people should know what the trade-off is, at the very least. As for the proper pronunciation of Tesla, I honestly feel like it's a tomato-tomato thing at this point. I just personally always attributed Elon's pronunciation of it to his accent, but you're correct that Franz, who was born in Connecticut, I looked it up, also says it that way. But honestly, outside of those two guys who are certainly the two highest ranking people at the company, everybody else that I know pronounces it Tesla. And obviously I do, because you hear me say it a thousand times, 
each episode. So maybe it's just a preference thing. Like I said, tomato, tomato. All right, I've got time for one more call this week. It comes from Patrick in Philadelphia. Hey, Ryan, it's uh, Patrick from Philadelphia here. Um, Just uh, something interesting that happened to me this weekend. I was camping in uh, Montreal, Montreal, Canada for the fireworks festival, which was awesome, by the way. Um, And I'm camping, you know, I have my bed set up. It's all great sleeping in the Tesla. But it, it, I think it was colder. It was colder in Montreal. So I think maybe I didn't have camp mode on because I don't remember this happening before. But it's about 5 a.m. I wake up, have to use the bathroom. Car was locked. I put my thumb on the um, rear door to open it. Open it. And the sudden, suddenly the car starts beeping. And in the interior of the car, I hear it must have been almost full volume. Uh, it comes on with the, the the Bach organ theme, you know, the did it in and I had never heard about this being a thing. Apparently, I looked it up. It was some tweet in like 2019. Elon said this was a thing, but I I don't know if it's various themes or it's random. But it scared the crap out of me because I just wanted to use the bathroom at five. So I'm trying to find my phone and I'm trying to like lock unlock the car just to get this noise going. I must have been waking up the entire campsite. So if you were camping in Montreal uh, this past weekend, I'm sorry. But yeah, I hadn't heard anybody talk about this uh, before online. So I was genuinely shocked by by it by hearing the music come on with the car alarm, you know. So I was like, I was in a daze as to what what was I gonna like? Where was my phone? How do I get this to go away as soon as possible at five a.m. when I'm, when I'm barely awake at all? So uh, I just thought that was an interesting thing to point out. I don't know if anybody has also had that happen to them, and I'm really not sure. I don't know if anybody can uh, speak to this for sure. I'm really not sure if it's random, or if it happened particularly because I had not set my car to camp mode because I was conserving energy because it was cold enough, um, or if that just is any time you lock your car and forget to unlock it when you get out from the inside. I I thought I'd been um, in my car camping before and never ran into this problem, so that's why I was so so shocked by it. But anyway, uh, Ryan, love the show. Uh, uh, Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, uh, thanks for everything. Bye. Hey, Patrick. Thank you for sharing this funny in hindsight story. You were laughing as you told it, but I'm sure it was pretty serious in the moment. I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you did not get back to sleep after you had the classical music blaring at you and you were frantically trying to figure out a way to make it stop. But yes... The car alarm is another area in which Tesla had a little extra fun in developing the car and didn't just make it sound like your typical generic car alarm. And hopefully you'll never hear that alarm again, because even if you're triggering it yourself, it's never a good sign if that alarm is going off. Thanks again for calling. Thanks to all of you who were kind enough to take the time to call in. Again, please keep your calls coming. I will get to more of them on next week's podcast. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of this segment. Stick with me, though. Ride the Lightning is not quite done. There's a bit more to talk about right after this. 
This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, as for what's going on with me and my Tesla life, Tesla had a new quirky item that made its way to the online Tesla shop this week, which I jumped on. And it was the, I, I was, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? No, I actually want this one. I think I'm actually going to use this because I've talked about how like the, the cyber whistle, the, the whistle that's in the shape of a cyber truck that, that I feel like I wasted $50 on. Uh, but this I decided to go for. It is the Tesla ludicrously cozy throw blanket. And it hit the shop uh, in the middle of the week. And it actually, the timing on this is perfect. It just arrived, like between as I was recording and uh, I got through kind of the main main news chunk of the show and started doing the Ride the Lightning hotline, and then the, the package arrived. And so I've got it out of the package and I'm checking it out. And so I'll just, I'll give you the, the description first. And, and by the way, it's already out of stock. So I think I ordered it on like Tuesday or Wednesday and it's already out of stock on the, on the Tesla shop website. So go figure. I mean, most of the things, most of the weird things they do like this do sell out. They describe it as the ludicrously cozy throw is infinitely soft and constructed from ultra fine, 100% recycled polyester chenille. This hand linked jacquard knit, if I'm pronouncing it's J-A-C-Q-U-A-R-D, jacquard knit features a cream base color embellished with a warm gray Tesla wordmark on one side and a debossed vegan suede T logo patch on both sides. It is 72 inches by 50 inches or basically six feet by four feet, two inches. And so, yeah, it's right here. I just took it out of the package. I took some pictures with Daisy uh, and I'll post those on my Instagram, even though this is the blankets for me and, and for, for the couch for me or my wife. Uh, it's not going to be a dog blanket because it was too expensive for that. And I have to say it is ludicrously cozy. I, there was no false advertising. It really, like it is exceptionally soft. Like I have another like throw blanket over here and it's way softer than that. So, um, was it worth the money I spent? Uh, Mate, I don't know. It was, I, I admit I didn't price compare it to other, super soft throw blankets. So maybe, I mean, maybe it was overpriced. Probably, I'm sure <laughs> on some level it was, but it is, I do. It's really soft. If I just put it, if I just kind of snuggle it here for a second, it's uh, it's really good. So anyway, the ludicrously cozy throw, mock me if you will, I bought it, but it is super soft and it's going to get used in this house. Uh, as for an entertainment recommendation for this week, it, I'm gonna enter. I'm gonna recommend something that I haven't actually played myself yet, but I need to play it because boy, the word of mouth is completely overwhelming. It's just insane what's going on with this video game right now, and that video game is Baldur's Gate Three. Just came out on PC. It's coming soon to PlayStation Five, like in another couple weeks. And eventually, it's going to make its way to the Xbox as well. There's kind of a weird story with the Xbox version that I won't bore you with here. But 
Um, you can listen to my Xbox show, Podcast Unlocked, at my day job on IGN if you want to hear more about that. But Baldur's Gate 3 is being hailed by many, including our reviewer at IGN, as the greatest computer role-playing game of the past decade, if not longer. It got a 10 out of 10 from IGN.com. It's getting insanely high review scores across the board. Everybody loves it. It is just, an, by all accounts, an absolutely incredible role-playing game. And I do enjoy role-playing games. I'm looking forward to Starfield, which I actually am playing right now. That's coming up. We're going to be reviewing that on IGN. Not, not me, personally. Our reviews director, Dan, is going to handle that one. And he's played... Yeah, he's, he's the perfect guy to do it. Um, but anyway... It's, it is RPG season. If you love RPGs, now is a really, really good time to be, to be a video gamer. So I got to find some time for Baldur's Gate 3 because it is that good by every account. So I'm even though I haven't played it myself yet, I am still confidently passing along that entertainment recommendation to all of you. A pro tip of the week this week to pivot back to Tesla comes from Alan in New Jersey. Hi, Ryan. It's Alan again from New Jersey. Just a quick one. I spotted something new as well. Um, on the um, iPhone app, you have to get, if you want to get to use the external fart noise for your Model 3 or, or Model Y, um, with, a, with anything that has an external speaker, uh, you would normally have to activate the Centennial mode so you can actually get to that little icon um, through that, 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 that menu option in, in the iPhone app. I think what you can do now is you can add that shortcut directly to one of your shortcuts. Um, from a previous hack, you're allowed to have five of them now. Um, by doing that, you don't have to act activate continual mode, and you can just um, you know play with, have a fun gag with that by doing it without actually ha activating continual mode. So that's another cool, quick, uh, extra shortcut that makes it a lot, a lot easier. I hope all's good. Take care. Alan, this is hilarious. This reminds me of the famous quote from Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park, which I'm just going to paraphrase here, which is something along the lines of, your scientists were pre so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think whether or not they should. So thank you very much for this one, Alan. This is a fun pro tip of the week. If anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, please send it my way, share it with me and with your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts. You can submit that the same way that you send in a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call. All right, with that, let me mention some friends of the podcast before I get out of here that can hopefully be useful to you. I'll start with abstractocean.com. They make a million different awesome aftermarket Tesla accessories. The best thing to do is just go check it out. Abstractocean.com. Search by whichever car you have so that it filters for just those products. And then take a look. And when you've got everything piled in your cart, maybe it's the custom tempered glass screen protectors that are the fourth generation version that use corning glass, the same stuff, or excuse me, aluminosilicate glass, the same, the same stuff that corning glass uses for Gorilla Glass. There we go, I've got it straight now. You know, there's those, that's a popular item. They've got a lot of great lighting kits, interior lighting kits. Anyway, tons of stuff. Check it out, abstractocean.com. And when you've got everything that you like in your online shopping cart, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout 
to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTL Podcast, all one word, no spaces in that one. The Snap Plate is my recommendation if you want or need a front license plate on your Tesla. You can get it at everyamp.com slash RTL. It's the front license plate bracket that is paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, and autopilot safe. It's got a clean, minimal design that blends really nicely with the Tesla front end when it's installed, and it leaves no unsightly hardware behind if you choose to remove it. Make those fix-it tickets go away for those of you who, like me, hate using a front license plate. BudgetSafeSolar.com now offers home battery storage as well as solar panels for your home or business. So, presuming that you're going to try Tesla Solar first, as I did, if it doesn't work out for you with Tesla Solar for whatever reason, I humbly encourage you to at least take a look at Budget Safe Solar. I mean, you're probably, when you're making a big decision like solar, you're probably going to consult with more than two. You're probably going to look at three, four, five companies. We did. We went through a few of them. We started with Tesla. And sorry, Siri, I'm not talking to you. Uh, anyway, my wife and I did look at a few. We started with Tesla. We ended up, uh, we, we did well with Budget Safe Solar. I've talked about it on the podcast before. They really drilled in with a pretty custom personalized design in the sense that I've got a weird roof because I have a super old San Francisco house, not a lot of real estate on top of that roof. They use the most efficient panels they have that they wouldn't necessarily normally use on a house with more roof space. Anyway, uh, it did go well for me, so I will speak well to it. If you want to give them a look, budgetsafesolar.com. If you do proceed with, an, with a solar installation for your home or business or both, please use the referral code RTL when you do that. Immaculate Reflections, an awesome, super talented detail shop here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. If you're going to be or are in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, Treat your car to a spa day at Immaculate Reflections. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years plus. Maybe you want to do paint protection film on some or all of the car. Maybe you want to do paint correction to get as many of those little swirls and imperfections out of the finish as humanly possible. Maybe you want to combine and do some of that or all of that. Go with the whole nine yards. Your car will look beautiful uh, no matter what you choose, because Jeff's going to do a great job. Jeff McGovern, the owner and proprietor there at Immaculate Reflections. Go to his website to get in touch with him to book in some service. The website is irdetailing.com, Immaculate Reflections Detailing, irdetailing.com. And when you do reach out, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener. And if you do book work with Immaculate Reflections, there'll be a nice little discount in it for you. PureTesla.com slash RTL is your home for the one-stop shop of Dench, dat, Dench, what was I trying to say there? That was fusing a lot of words together that don't belong together. You can tell I've been talking for a while and it's time for the show to end because I'm starting to just jumble words. It's not going well. Uh, the, the, your one-stop shop for dash cam and sentry mode setups it's a micro SD based solution. This is uh, the, the worst promo ever right now, but I'm going to power through it because we're almost done with the podcast. Anyway, 
puretesla.com slash RTL. That's the website to go to. Don't forget that slash RTL if you'd be so kind. The $49, 128-gigabyte microSD-based USB kit is, uh, is a great way to go. It's just a fire-and-forget method for your dash cam and sentry mode setup. But if 128 is not quite enough, the 256-gigabyte kit is $69. Both are shipped free anywhere in the U.S., small shipping fee if you're needing to ship worldwide. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, I come back to my Patreon, which I mentioned at the top of the podcast, so I'll keep this brief. But as always, I remind you, this podcast will always be free. It would be very foolish of me to not do that. But uh, my hope is that I will earn your trust. I will earn your support via Patreon at some point. So patreon.com slash Tesla podcast is where you can go. If at some point, and hopefully for some of you, that point is today, is now as you're hearing this, that you decide, you know what? Yes, Ryan, I'm going to support you. I'm going to take a look at those tiers that you have on patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And I'm going to choose the one that works best for me. So there's the base tier. It's just five bucks a month. And in return, you'll not only be supporting me, which is awesome, and you should feel good about that, and I will absolutely feel humbled and grateful by that, but in a more tangible way, you will get early access to each week's podcast. If you step up to that $10 a month tier that I talk about at the beginning of the show, you get that weekly uh, lightning round bonus mini episode, and this week's was once again about the Cybertruck and some, some stainless steel myths, as you heard, and you get access to the entire catalog of them. So again, there are 59 of those in there now, over a year's worth. So if you, again, if you feel it in your heart to support me on Patreon, I'd be very grateful if you chose to do that. Again, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can follow slash subscribe to the podcast for free on any of the big podcast services, which now includes YouTube podcasts. I'm happy to see YouTube have a more formal podcast integration. You can find my YouTube channel by just searching Ride the Lightning Tesla. You got to put the Tesla in there because otherwise Metallica is going to come up. Again, naming this thing, going cute with the name Ride the Lightning, not my best decision in hindsight. I should have literally just called it the Tesla podcast because that's what people search for, right? That's more people would find it, but that's why, uh, you know, I'm stuck with it now. It's fine. It's fine. It's been eight years. It's going fine. Uh, and I do like the name ride the lightning. Hopefully you do too. Anyway. Um, what, where was I going with that? Oh, just, yeah. Subscribing or following the podcast on whatever your favorite podcast platform is so that when there's a new episode that's dropped, which is, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, your favorite podcast service will just push that new episode out to you so that you don't have to remember, oh, yeah, I got to go download the new Ride the Lightning. So make sure to follow slash subscribe, which costs zero dollars on your favorite podcast service. If you need a referral link when you're buying your Tesla, hopefully you've got a friend, family member, or coworker 
that can refer you and you can both get the loot box points and the discounts, that whole thing. But if you just need one, if I'm your guy, I'm here for you. The referral link, what you type into your browser to go order your car and have those benefits added onto it with your order. Just type in ts.la slash Ryan73014. That is my referral code if you need one. You can follow me on Twitter. I mean, X. You can follow me on X or and or Instagram. I have the same handle on both. DMC underscore Ryan is my handle on those, my username. And you can email me anytime. My podcast email address is simply teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, I want to say thank you to the upper level Patreon backers. I'm going to start with the maximum plaid tier because there's a new one. Thank you so much to Dustin Hart. Dustin, welcome and thank you for your generosity. I look forward to hopefully speaking with you if you get if you choose to join in on the next monthly Patreon Zoom hangout. The next one's going to be the first weekend of September, so I'll send out invites about a week before, or in other words, about a week from now, I'll send out those invites. But thank you to Dustin and thank you to the rest of the Mex- uh, Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrode, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalin, John from Cream Ridge, New Jersey, and Sean Tisdale. I want to say hello also to the Roadster in Space tier backers who are Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayacavetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, Robert from Near Philly, and Chase Lancaster. Finally, another hello and thank you goes out to the grandfathered in plaid level supporters. The plaid level itself is no more, but these folks kindly continue to support me at that level and as such get all the perks and benefits they are entitled to as a result of that. So thank you very much to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, 
Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. All right, that is the end of episode 420, and it's been a fun one. I have to say, I really enjoyed... I mean, I don't like talking about things that I'm not as enthusiastic about. Like, you know, I had to be honest about my feelings on the standard range Model S and Model X, but it's something totally unexpected that happened in the world of Tesla this week, and that's part of why I love doing this, because Tesla's an unpredictable company. They they do things that you don't expect, like also come out with a cozy blanket. So that's what it's fun for me every week because of the unpredictable nature of this company who is about to deliver the first Cybertrucks here in the not-too-distant future and the first revamped Model 3s, the Project Highlands. It's just an awesome time to be a Tesla fan right now. And I am grateful to get to do this podcast for you, and I am grateful to you for taking the time to listen to it. So, for the chilled-out Zelina the Future Service Dog puppy laying down next to me, and for Daisy the Boxer, who is somewhere else in the house, probably on the living room couch, if I had to guess, I, of course, am Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.